Where we are, it's dark outside, and we want to know how dark it is for you in your journey of, of involution, of your journey of coming around. I mean, if we were providing good news, I would think that there would be more and more people coming to this conversation. Well, there are. But we are providing good news. Exactly. <laughs> Mark, that's your, that's your question. Mark, what is the good news? The good news is that there's hope for getting out of the swamp of patriarchy. Currently, or in the past, there hasn't been much reason to get out of the swamp of patriarchy because everything else was still patriarchy, sort of <laughs> like the one foot still in. So now, and Chloe and the women, or female-bodied beings, have created archiarchy. And it's like a fusion reaction. Let there be light. <laughs> Go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> as soon as you guys came up with all this stuff, stuff came up for me like, oh, I know what to do with the guys. You guys build it. We will come. And we will come ready to let go of patriarchy also. That is a good news. Thank you. Wow. I hope you tell other people that too. That was wonderful. I'm working on that. I need the two-minute elevator speech though. That was one of the things I was going to request of you guys is possibilities for that. That worked really good, what yeah. you just said. <laughs> okay. We'd like to hear from other domains, other people. What how what are your how are your experiments going? What are you discovering? So you ask how dark it is outside, Clinton? <laughs> we can't see. I any... don't know if you can see that. No, it's blurry. You have a fuzzy, fuzzy maker. Okay. Background. But it's so, it's daylight. It's daylight, but it's like I'm standing at what used to be a gas station. It's actually a construction site. So I'd say it's beyond repair. <clears throat> Thank you. And I'm just finished today my 28 days of holding. I just left the last man that I was with, visiting over the course of the last 28 days. Wow. And, uh, uh, <laughs> These are all nano holdings, Mikael. You're getting nano holdings right now. From every each one of <laughs> fingers is a nano holding. Thank you. Us too. So I can only recommend doing that, no no matter if you are female body or male bodied or however the right pronunciation for that is. It's really serving. And then it's not so dark. Thank you. I just want to read your message, Ingrid. Ingrid says, I feel scared and sad this morning because my physical body is weak. And I will close my eyes during the call. And I am here. I'm there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. There's some, we have a 
tradition in this space that if you've not been in this space before, that you introduce yourself and okay. tell us about how how the wonderful stories of your discoveries and relating so far in your life. Who would like to go first? Yeah, I go. Thank you. Um, I feel joy and I'm scared to be here. And the reason I'm here is I simply don't know how to relate, really. And <laughs> that, and I, I wanted to be here as a commitment for exploring how to relate. And that's the reason I'm here. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Thank you, Christopher. Thank you, Christopher. Thank you. You know, we're we're talking to each other through these computer screens, but in reality, there's a lot of connection going on. There's people that we know each other here and people who are new, and yet the connection connecting starts already. The connecting is really there. And the relating part is a vast territory. So it's there's so much to learn about it that one cannot become an expert. One cannot become a master or accomplished. One can only relate. And the best way that we've discovered to relate is to just do what you just did, which is to just as truthfully as you can say what's real for you right now. What are you feeling? What are you thinking? What are you noticing? And sharing that. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, thank you. Who would like to go next? Yes. Since we opened the door and are calling this an experiment in relating and we came here to relate, who would like to go next? It includes the zombies on the couch here. Mm -hmm. I want to say that I, 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 I am writing a letter for my sister, for all the sisters that I have. And... I, I felt pain, which is sadness and angry anger and all the feelings and and it's I can see how much this fear of relating to other sisters blocked so much my aliveness, and I was blocking also the aliveness of all these sisters. Yeah. And I'm I'm seeing so much my underworld and now I feel like that is I'm shaking here inside of me. How much this this strategy was yeah, just simply totally dead. Like I was dead. Part of me was so much dead. And now I am looking at that and and also here, I'm also step by step looking at these all these shadow parts of me. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> Go ahead. Go ahead. 
I don't have it yet. Yeah. So, I mean, thank you for sharing this because without <laughs> the step, without doing the self-reflection or the self-observation or the noticing or, or the machine, the machinery parts of ourselves, if we don't do that part, we're, we're trapped by it. And so one of the ways out of the trap is to actually see, see the trap and you can then go around it. It doesn't necessarily make the trap go away, but the trap will dissolve if you don't use it for a few months. It just kind of composts. It's like a biodegradable thing because it's inside of us. If you just don't use it, you just go around it. And so it's really a celebration <clears throat> to discover that stuff. It isn't something to be overwhelmed by or to grieve so much. I mean, yes, opportunities were missed. Yes, we undermine chances to be open and clear and connected. So, yes, that's all true. And the part that really makes a difference is the discovery. And the discovery is to be, is really a celebration. And so it's possible or easy. It can be easy to be kind of sucked into this dark, overwhelmed, oh my God, I've been, I've been doing this, this stuff that was so detrimental for love to happen or disconnection was, was my main strategy for survival, all these things. <clears throat> and, and to, and to be drawn down into the view of how horrible or, or disrespectful that's been. And at the same, what, what we're trying to say and what I'm trying to say is it's a victory in reality. It's a really a victory. And it, um, it'd be really, I'd really be happy if when we're in this space together, that the discoveries that we make like that are really victories. Like they're, it's like finding uh, a diamond, like in a coal mine or something. It's like really finding the shiny possibility of clarity that, that gets, that gives us a new opportunity that we did not have before. So if you don't have the clarity about what's going on, you don't have the clarity of trying something different. So each piece of the clarity is like at first is shocking to realize how, how like unconscious we've been or how the opposite of connecting our behavior has been, for example. But each discovery is actually opens up a whole new future, a whole new bright future, whole new sets of experiments to try, whole, whole new ways of being. And so I encourage you along your journey to let yourself be mm -hmm. like whatever blessed or like um, rewarded by the discoveries. So it, like Marina, could, are you willing to kind of, acknowledge the success and the victory of what you just shared with us? Yeah. And also a sense that echo is giving me other, like I'm, op I open for, yeah, I'm opening and, and I'm, yeah. And I'm celebrating also this because it's really like putting in words what I was holding in my system. And like just to put in words for me was little, like, a celebration also. So what do you, what can you do now that you could not do before? It's really listen. Listen to 
to my sister, for example. I'm listening to her. Thank you. Thank you. I was, I was about that. Yeah. You know, what I was, Clinton was asking if I was going to say something and I didn't have it in so many words, but mm, I think it's what we mentioned also last week that was written in the article is that women were so good at using our own survival strategy, trying to work with our survival strategy. Like we beat ourselves up because we're beating ourselves up. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that's, and, and this, that's just turning into a little vicious circle that brings us into a swamp and there's almost zero evolution in that. And so is to, there's, there's these identities or these new parts of arrogance or celebration or dignity or integrity that are key element to step out of the looking at survival strategy with our survival strategy. It's a completely new dimension that women were just not allowed. We're just not allowed to celebrate a new discoveries that other people don't understand. We're not allowed to have enough dignity. Like today I was having a, uh, an, a conscious asshole, let's say a dangerous conversation with another woman. And my request for her was, or it was not a request, it was an invitation of saying, I did not hear her say she had used her gremlin on me. She had made a gremlin attack on me. And then we're having this conversation and I say to her, I did not hear you say that you will never use your gremlin on me. And she said, well, I don't know if I can do that. Like, I don't know if I can perfectly never always be aware of my gremlin. And I said, it's not about that. It's about being, having enough respect for yourself and for the relationship with me as a sister that you set the bar high for yourself. And the moment you set that bar and you say, I, I, I want, like I am, I, I refuse, I refuse to compete with my sisters. I refuse to compare myself. Then of course, all these previously used gremlin strategy will appear because they're, they're, they they come in such contrast with that stand and that respect, but okay. I like, then you can see them, then they are visible and you have choice. But the step wasn't trying to let me swim in my underworld. You know, let me, let me try to fix myself. Let me try to be perfect so that I, that I can relate with you. It's no, I'm, I now, now I respect myself enough that there is this part that is bold and wild and can take risk and can be vulnerable and can, you know, can be bold in the way of connecting. Like in saying, I love you, or I, I want this with you. Okay. How my, my proposal for collaboration is this, like the, all these parts are there when we just say, we just, I, I want to dignify myself to make space for that. And that's a celebration, mm. you know, and for me, and she said it, it took her about half hour, but at the end she said, 
I, I'm ready. I'm ready to respect myself enough. I could just, I was just, I, you know, I was sad. I was so touched. I was like, finally, then I want to be with that woman. Mm. Not with a woman who's, you know, can describe her gremlin technology, you know, to the hair split, you know, with such details. It's like, ugh, that's not so interesting for me. So that was, yeah, and that, so that was a celebration of women coming together and being asshole enough to demand that we respect ourselves. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody else is a couple sure. more people. Go. It's become really clear to me how how I'm a few sec- seconds late. It's like, wow, I, I realize my no 10 seconds later. I I realize the space I have for negotiation is really small. And yesterday at dinner, Vera delivered the, the map of the recover intimacy process. Mm-hmm. And in, in this process, it's, it's about going back to the moment, going back to like, even if it's past that time, but going back to the moment where the intimacy was lost, where I didn't say my no and going again and really is this process of retraining myself because I keep catching myself too late. And as this journey of intimacy together, just going back and like, okay, I'm going to practice this. I'm committed to, to not being someone who, who doesn't have the no and, and just going back and doing that. And it, it was such a relief. It was such a relief to be like, Wow, as I'm practicing with my clarity, as I'm learning this, I can just keep having do-overs. And <laughs> and it opened it opened this doorway of intimacy where I've been just holding back these things and, and building up these walls in my relating in this house. And it's one of the, again, just these moments of okay, the clarity is there and I can relax and actually be with. And I just, it's such a celebration for me to, I mean, I'd been doing the exact same thing. I'd been like walking around the house, like, uh, in this fog, it's like, ah, the clarity lands. This is what's going on. I see, I have this feedback. I want to share it with you. And, And then it's like, wow, I'm alive and in connection again. So having this process is such gold in my relating right now. I... (laughs) <laughs> I love it. It's really fun. <laughs> it's working, obviously. <laughs> yes, it's like one of these um, toys that kind of goes around nee, 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 and hits a wall and goes and turns and goes nee, 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 hits a wall turns around nee, 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 nee. And it doesn't matter how many walls there are, how many walls you hit, because you can just turn around and go back and start over. And it liberates such a, a potential that you, you can actually, oh, I, I missed the treasure. Oh, I lost the secret. Oh, I don't have the answer. And then you get it, and then you go back in time, really with a click of your clicker, and say, I have a do-over. 
and you use the treasure and you use the clarity and you use the distinction and you use and it's and it's like gosh you know it's so powerful so i'm really glad you are using this retroactive intimacy is still intimacy (laughs) (laughs) retroactive yeah (laughs) no and it's breaking down this the thought where i have to get it right the first time to get I have to get it right all the time. I have to get it right. And that, and if I don't, I'm stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Truth. Yeah. So you can go around thinking I have to get it right in the first 50 times. <laughs> <laughs> change, your, change your game. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I've been going with another woman this morning through the process of what I hate about women. And I I feel I feel so much joy about how vulnerable the space was. We both met in a space with our our fears and sadness. For me it was so precious to finally just speak about it and say it. And I felt a lot of fear of also not knowing what I'm going to say and hearing myself saying what I, what I hate about women. And finally also seeing it in myself, what I do to block intimacy with other women. And I'm, I felt, I felt joy that we went through it together. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. If if some do you want to say it? No. If some of you are not familiar with the practice of saying what you hate and what you love, I encourage you to try it. We've mentioned it a few times in the study group. It's so important to go to extremes. It seems extreme to say I hate something or even I love something. No, I'm drinking some water and I go, I love this water. It's just water. You know, it's just a glass of water. I love this water. I love this glass. You know, I love my spoon. I mean, whatever, whatever. It's fun to eat lunch here because whatever people serve, you know, the leftovers from the refrigerator mixed together with sauce on top, you know, people go, I love this. Wow, I love this. And it's just the same old goop every day. <clears throat> but uh, but it, it brings a, it gives you permission to have passion in ex- in what looks to be ordinary circumstances, which seems to not fit. Most of the times, if you're going to have an ordinary circumstance, uh, it has to be kind of a numb, flat, emotional, emotionless, uh, you know, re- non-reaction to it. Like, oh yeah, this is ordinary. But when you start giving yourself permission to have this passion about ordinary things, then it, it transforms the whole, the entire space. So we really encourage you to practice that in different places, you know, because you can do it in public spaces and people think that you, your brain drugs are wearing off. You know, if you start saying you hate things or you love things, and they go, well, maybe we should increase your prescription. You know, it's like, 
No, not really. No, it's great. I love hating stuff and I love loving stuff. You can really have an interesting conversation that's, that's unexpected with the most unexpected people. So we encourage that to you to really experiment with that. Remember the third rule, however, which is just don't get put in jail. Just stay out of jail. Not so many chances to experiment in the jail, although there are chances. <laughs> Somebody else? Anybody else? Well, I want to, Mikael, I heard that, I saw that you delivered a, you held space for a white widow research and I think it would be relevant to this conversation if you have anything to share about what you learned or discovered. Yes. So um, I was in a space yesterday, actually, with we were 10 men who are starting the journey. That's like an introductory phase. So they still can decide if they want to go on the year-long experiment, uh, the White Widow experiment or not. And like the first thing I was, I felt really glad that so many men were in the space and there's more who will join next week because not everybody could be there. So there's 16 in the whole group, which I find quite amazing that there, that there's men who really want to look at that. And, um, like one, one thing that stand out for me was like the mix of survival strategies. Like we don't only have just one, we might have a dominant one, but if I mix like white widow and being a good boy, for example, there come so many different layers in the survival strategy. And then how to distinguish what is this? What is this? Like what comes from which and how can I then relate to a woman or to a man or to somebody else? If I don't know which survival strategy currently is, actually up front and is doing what I'm doing. So we we left the space yesterday, everyone with an experiment to do for the next week. And I asked the man to share it in the telegram group that we have for that for that journey. And I haven't read all the experiments yet, but there's a lot of commitment in the group and a lot of really interesting experiments about first of all observing how the white widow strategy um is operating in them. Like, how does it express in them? Because I think for me, it's the same if you do Gremlin or White Widow. First, it's observing. So you see what's going on. And a thing that I learned um, this summer is if I feel the pain really about what I'm creating, then the energy or the anger or whatever I need to shift that comes automatically. But if I don't feel the pain, then I need to take my gremlin on the short leash and have to make commitments and maybe structures to change things. But if I really dare to go to where it really hurts, it opens the door to change exactly that. Then it's not strenuous. It still needs something like discipline and attention. But it's not that I have to, like, for me, it kind of like automatically comes because I felt the pain about what I don't want to create anymore. So that's the... The idea for me at the beginning of this journey to go there so the men can feel the pain about what they've created so far and they're relating. So they have a stronger foundation to, to make a change to that. Wow. Thank, thank you. you. Great. 
And I just want to say we 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 started yesterday, and about every two months there will be a new introductory phase, so other men can join the groups. So it's going to be um, an evolving space where new men can join, just for men in the space or for men that you know. There will be more introductory phases to enter that space and be with men who are on a different stage in that experiment. Right. Yeah, it's amazing here. In Bali, right outside our front door, we have this reminding factor because there's a wall out there. And as soon as you open the door, you're face to face with this kind of giant spider in the middle of a spider web, right at face level. And so it's like, wow. Oh, and then it's like you can remember, oh, yeah, white widow, black widow, gray widow, you know, really waking up about what what kind of widow we are. Because if you walk into the spider and he bites you and you're dead, then you really are a widow. So or somebody is but just a reminding factor so you can look at spiders from now on and go sit back relax and enjoy the flight you know when you see the spiders it's a reincarnation of somebody (laughs) failed their white widow experience (laughs) man ah well, all right, Ava. Anything from you from the Freiburg domain? Well, I just wanted to say to you, Michael, that when I did these Good Girl Busters trainings, Devin actually came up with this idea, and we we did it. That on on one of the meetings, we had some men enter the space, and they were doing conscious asshole practice by throwing hooks with sexual energy. Uh, and the, like the challenge was for the woman to not get hooked and with the coach at her side. And I found that space really powerful and revealing and challenging and great. Mm-hmm. And so my invitation to you is if you get to a point with this training where you say, okay, we're ready for some women to come into the space to practice throwing hooks consciously for the men to practice, to stay unhooked, then I have a couple of women I could ask. They've been training. I mean, I, I would... Prefer- well, how about you ever? Would you be in the space? Definitely, yes. Good. All right. I, mean, I would propose maybe a slightly different experiment is for the women to actually be dignified because that's, I think, a lot more scary mm. for men to interact with a dignified woman than with a woman who plays gremlin. I agree with that. Yeah. Mikhail, I'm curious about one thing. Have the men explored or are they bringing up the subject of pickup artists, of using techniques deliberately to undermine a woman's sovereignty? Well, not yet because we didn't go there yet, but yeah, there's some of them in the space. It's not. It, that's not white widow. That's a different aspect. That is what males do with females, which is why I think it's important and significant. I call it white cad. But thank you. I'll, I'll, yeah, let's talk about it, Max. Thank you. I'd be happy to. Well, thank you. So for anybody who's dropped in on this space, just to let you know, we diverged from 
are exploring through the Building Love That Lasts book for a moment. For a few weeks, we're going through an article that was recently written called Beyond Repair, which is the seven steps for women to try to actually hold space and introduce men into archaearchy. And we've got partway through step one, and we've been doing this for two or three weeks already. So we're in the middle of step of the first, the first mountain range. First, and there's seven mountain ranges to go through. There's no, like in, in Switzerland or something, they just dig more tunnels through the mountains. And they think that that's the solution. Well, these mountains are impervious to tunnels. There's no way through these mountains. You've got to go one step at a time through all the dangers and surprises of the mountain range. So we're part way up the first mountain range. Just It's the second one. It is? I think we're in the second one. Hallelujah, sisters and brothers. <laughs> in any case, we're not trying to rush our way through this. We're trying to actually make it, which is really different. Because you can fool yourselves about a lot of stuff including mountain climbing. So we're at this paragraph and it just talks about lowering your numbness bar. And, and it's about, this is about women looking at themselves. And the question is, how can you lower your numbness bar, your sensitivity? How can you be more sensitive to detect vengeful or recriminating payback little efforts that are active in yourself because your new perceptions require a complete shift of context away from this patriarchal ordinary gremlin feeding and and shifting from that into like a completely different strategy or game plan into extraordinary and archetypal levels of awareness and creation. This morning I was interviewing Anna Norimbuena about walking the path as a woman and especially as a woman becoming a space holder. I asked her, because she's a gremlin transformer and a decontamination coach, what has she found for women that are, what's the, what are the hurdles? And something that she said is, Women, when they get their gremlin back, when they reclaim this force of being arrogant, it can easily flip into trying to kill men. And so there's this star that says, uh, there's a spark, sorry, that says a, a woman does not need a man to be a woman. And she said, she'd add, a woman does not need to kill a man to become a woman. Mm. And I like, I really appreciated that. A woman does not need to kill a man to become a woman. Gosh, I I would argue that. I mean, I think of all the men who have heads of animals in their hallway, in their dining hall, and all the heads of all these animals they've killed to try to be a man. And I think you could have women with this heads of all these men on the wall. I get what you're saying. But it's not a necessary step to become a woman. All right. You can go Cali if you need to. <laughs> can do, you can do. So cherry on the cake. The cherry on the cake. I mean, <clears throat> Cali is the goddess that 
cuts off the man's oh, yeah. head. Yeah. Yeah, there's this, there's this one, when, when you start researching Black Widow and you go into their dining room, it's it's like, well, it's kind of, you see these these uh, plaques on the wall with all these men's testicles hanging off. And this John, Peter, Dave, you know, Simon, you know, it's like all this conquered. And, and that's what you're saying is that's not the way to go. Well, it's, there's nothing to do about, I mean, it's not really about becoming a woman. And so there's this difference between the fierceness, for example, of this article or the fierceness, anyway, the fierceness that is required to go through these seven steps, really, it, it requires a fierceness of this is my space, this is my home, this is my choice, this is this is my earth. That does not it, it it needs to be here, like that fierceness is here, and in terms of it does not need to kill anything to be righteously there. It does not need to go like to it does not need to go waste energy and try to convince or kill or and it's just this is my game. So I do you want to say something? No, just go ahead. Well, I had a process a, a few days ago and the an emotional healing process, and the outcome of that process was something to do with occupation. In terms of not a job, but who's occupying the space. And this realization that I got that patriarchal thoughtware is just occupying space. Mm -hmm. It's occupying so much. You walk down the street and you're walking on patriarchal pavement. Yeah. And you're walking next to patriarchal houses and patriarchal shops and patriarchal restaurant and patriarchals atm and bank machines and like on and on and on it's just it occupies the entire physical emotional energetic space and this shift to archaeaki which is really what this article is about and for me about what this work is about it it's not so much about how do you have a you know, it is partly having an arc and relate, you know, relating with your partner, but it's about how are you going to, how are we going to occupy the space mm -hmm. so that archaeal faultware is dominant? Like archaeal faultware is, fills up the morphogenetic field so that the, the core values of humanity shifts. <laughs> and then people can, zombies can just adapt to the core values of archaearchy. And, and so it has to do with this this occupying, mm -hmm. and and so the occupation it first starts with your personal bubble of space, but also then it starts with the bedroom and your kitchen and your home and your in your neighborhood. It and and then you start. It's I think it's the same thing I was saying earlier. Is if you respect yourself enough, saying I want this to be archaeal, I want my neighborhood to be archaeal, then. Everything that is not that is so painful. And then you have ideas like Eva Dauber, go take jackhammers and, and, and take out the pavement to plant gardens. I found a place where to do that, by the way. I just have to speak to the owner. Yay. Next step. Yeah. Imagine if there was a million women in Freiburg with jackhammer, there was not even be this conversation about the owner. 
of the place. Yeah. They'd just be go around <laughs> drilling through the pavement, pavement, and what the you know the construction company could not fix the pavement faster than the women are depaving it. Yeah, and and, that, yeah. and that's the idea of the occupation, the the fought where a, small, a small group of women could take dandelion seeds to paved lots everywhere, and the dandelions would do a lot of the work. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I love it. So there's a trick that is useful to learn about, and it's in the next sentence, actually, in the paragraph, the last sentence of the paragraph. And the trick is to not needing to go against anything in the occupation. So it's we have it in our mind, like Anne Chloe said, that there's patriarchy is everywhere and occupying everything. And so this is not true inside of your bubble of space. You're, you're the one that you cavitated and occupy in the, it does not take much. It takes far less effort when, when you, when you occupy the thing by going back to the very beginning and starting over and, and just re coming out from nothing like that. If there's something there, you have to go against it. You get that? If there's anything there already, you have to go against it. And this is a burden. It's a, it takes a lot of energy and time and struggle and all that. But if you just start over and you can start over with each breath, you just go. And when you go, yeah, what you're doing is starting over in the space with a completely reinitializing your purpose for relating. You reinitialize in each breath your purpose for the relating. So it isn't to be right or better or to win or to get revenge or to be superior or to you know change something. It's none of those things. It's like like the dandelion thing. It's like you just inhale and you exhale and out comes the flower. Here it is right there. And it's not going against anything. And then that's what you get to live in is this space where the purpose of relating is extraordinary and archetypal. With a, and that's the purpose of relating. And, it, and the, the since you re-originate it in each breath, whatever the thing that's hanging around from patriarchy is not re-originating itself. It's old. It's falling apart. It has no power. It's just left over. So every time you take a breath and exhale and this new plant comes, this new space, it just, you know, it just replaces what what's not really there anyway. You start over in a fresh space. And so that's the thing, that's the practice, is to walk through your life, every breath, reoriginating the purpose of your interactions. And so that your thought patterns and your interaction grooves are no longer trapped in patriarchy because patriarchy is not there. And you're not fighting against it. You're just starting over with a new thing. You don't have to even know what the new thing is. That's what's great about it. You don't have to know the way. You don't have to know the answer, the technique, the method, you know, because there is none. That's that's how patriarchy is different. It's, you get to create. Archiarchy is different. Archiarchy is different. You get to create. What? How do you start? What are you starting with? What do you want right now? Like King Chloe said, what do I want right now? What What's next? What's what should What's needed right now? What do I want? So that's 
and it's easeful. That's the point that I'm trying to get. It's just really easeful. When you start over each time from, from the point of origin, from the beginning, rather than carrying this whole burden of 6,000 years that you're trying to fight against, you just start over in a new domain. So anything about all that? Where's here? Anything from the lady in the red dress department? I'll take that as a no. Um, you want to say something? Yes. Um, yeah, I feel I feel fear to share. I I mean, I was watching the the study group when you have been talking about that um, women are sourcing archaearchy and men. Yeah. So men, what? What about that man? I, I feel really big fear um, about, uh, I don't know, about leaving them behind. Or what does that mean? That we source it and they just enter. And um, I also realize um, I had experience with um, with the um, try to exit patriarchy and entering archaearchy, and from my from my perception, we failed because there was so much patriarchal uh, technique in the in the in the in the try to to enter and. So I'm right now, I'm really busy with the, um, also when we talk about uh, sisterhood and brotherhood, and I'm, I'm, I'm very long time in the, in the process of, 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 of seeing that togetherness. So, I mean, archaearchy, from my understanding, is to bring, let's say, the best from both together and really collaborate together and really... Um, Create in this togetherness, which which these two different, maybe opposite facets can come in a way together that is not possible just just in a let's say female way or in a male way. And and what is the new thing if these forces are really coming together? And and by this is it's for me the big question: how to to use let's say patriarchal systems like or, or aspects like like um, having clarity, for example, and how can the clarity goes together with the, with the heart, with that embracing, in a way that not the law, the the embracing is weaker or the clarity is 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 less clear, but that both to the same time is coming together and create something that maybe we are not even. Um, received right now because it's not existing yet. But how how can this really goes together? And 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 I feel fear that um, if if we are sourcing this, that, or maybe I don't know. So what is the next step? Where where comes? It, I mean, not not everything in patriarchy or not not every quality in patriarchy is is bad. It's a lot of good and useful things in the in the. Um, 
in, in, in the provided quality, not how they deliver it or how they use it. It, it, it's the same thing with a, with a hammer. I mean, you can use the hammer to destroy or you can use the hammer to, to, to build something. And I think it's more like this, that um, h- how do we use the, the, the male and female aspects as really a, a amazing tools to create intimacy, to create love, to create togetherness? And where, where does the man step in? So, Maybe it's just me or my interpretation, but sometimes I, I think it's, it's so this, this, this is bad, uh, patriarchal thing. You want a hint? And for, for me, it's more the question about, okay, what? Yeah. The hint. The hint is it's going to be problematical for you to think that clarity is masculine. Or the clarity has anything to do with patriarchy at all. That will be problematical for you. It will leave you in confusion, like you seem like it feels like. And it's it's kind of it's patriarchal philosophy in a way that the men are clear and the women are weak, you know, or emotional. And and this and so how we bring the benefits of both of those things together. This whole thing is a patriarchal model. It's a patriarchal model. And so it's really about starting over outside of that, beyond the dichotomy, by beyond the separation, beyond the uh, typography. You know, it's a typing thing. Women are like this, men are like this, or this force is masculine, this force is feminine. This stuff is from Hindu religion or, you know, the yin and yang or something like that. It's using old thoughtware. So I'm, I would encourage you to toss it all and really take, take a start over with that so that you're not limited by the seemingly contradictory and problematical models that have existed before. And I, I don't have a solution for you except to start over. Did you, I, you, I oh. see that you get what I'm saying. So- Say again. Yeah, it seems like you get. You see what? what it seems like you understand what I just said. The offer I made. Um, yes, I I understand, and I want to recheck. Well, look. You think there is not no such a thing that male or female qualities. So right. it's just qualities. Right. Not, okay, thank you. I'm not arguing for non-binary. I'm not arguing. Mm-hmm. I'm suggesting mm-hmm. an entirely different context. Okay. Yeah, and it leaves us in a discovery place rather than a reformulation place. Because what you're trying to do is reformulate. You're using, you have this power of argument and logic. You're trying to logic your way through this. And, you're, and we're just using models that are ancient. They came from other spiritual traditions and stuff like that. And so I'm encouraging us to leave that all behind and just really start over and, and not know. And we're, so we're taking really baby steps, you know, and I don't know. Are you, are you hanging out with somebody and doing experiments? Are you actually doing that? And, or is this all theoretical? 
I'm doing experiments and I'm, um, I'm leading a, a, a couple group. So we're also doing experiments there. Do you have a partner? No. Okay, that's what I'm saying. You are not at risk. You are not at risk because you didn't count, you did not commit to say, okay, I have a partner and now we're going to try this stuff. It turns out to be then really theoretical and and not dangerous for you because it's in the theoretical domain. So I'm encouraging you to find a partner and then go to a couples meeting with a partner. Is that that sounds scary enough? <laughs> That's I mean I'm looking for a partner since since long time. Let me tell you this story. And... There's this guy named Muhammad and he's going around looking for a partner and he's he's 53 years old and he's sitting at this tea stand drinking tea and complaining gosh I don't have a partner and his friend Allah says you know what what happened I mean how could you be 53 years old and you don't even have a partner and Muhammad says well you know I, I was in Egypt and I found this woman and Gosh, she was so beautiful. I was turned on just by, I start sweating when I just look at her. My mind goes crazy and all my systems go. And, and Allah says, well, Anne, well, Anne. And Muhammad says, yeah, but she was not a practitioner. You know, she just, just sloppy, you know, messes everywhere, smoking, drinking, you know, partying. I mean, music, I mean, dance. I was just like, she was all over the place. I just, no way. And then Allah says, well, what happened then? And he goes, well, I was in Baghdad and I, I found this woman who was this practitioner. She was this, she could just meditate and be present. And the whole space would shine with this light of this presence that she could be this feminine, brilliant presence and connect. And then, and Allah goes, okay, well, so, and, and, and Muhammad says, God, she was as ugly as a horse's ass. I mean, you had things hanging off you couldn't even describe biologically. I mean, there was this, it was just horrible. I mean, and then, okay, I'll like it. All right, all right, right. And then, and then he says, okay, okay, Muhammad says, well, all right, I'll tell you, you know, I went to Aleppo and I was in this city and I found this woman and she was beautiful and she was this amazing practitioner. She had this, Spiritual practice and this beauty and this, Allah goes, okay, and, and, and Muhammad says, yeah, well, she, she, she was looking for the perfect partner. <laughs> so she left. So, so it's this thing. Do people get this? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Okay. You gonna, she didn't want to be with me. He didn't want to yeah, be with me. Yeah, she didn't want to be with me because she was looking for the perfect partner. So there you go on a silver platter <laughs> looking for the perfect partner. You probably have a checklist about 45 items long. <laughs> you know, check, check, check. No, not that. Okay, no, not that. No. He likes asparagus, but he eats it from the top instead of from the bottom. You have to eat asparagus from the bottom, not from the top. There's all these distinctions to find the perfect partner. So.
Cool. Thank you. I don't have that list because right. that is. You, you don't have a partner though. So something's going on. It's a little fishy. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Can you still say something about why is it only women sourcing? Why why is why are not men involved in this? If actually the binary is 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 going over in our hierarchy, why is the Mark, source coming from Mark, the? Can I tell you? We've observed that men can't habitate archiarchy at this time. We're working on it, but we're not there yet. The women have succeeded in cavitating archiarchy. Okay, so it's by observation so far. Yes, it's empirical. Okay, thank you. I want to say also something about occupying because I, one of my persons, I I saw archiarchy like like this yellow jelly that was connecting so many people around other all in the planet. And I was in the side of this yellow jelly stuff. And I sense like the occupy, like when I'm occupying also my house, I was talking to, to a mother from PM here. And we were talking about how much actually we are in a, like my kitchen is so patriarchal. Like, my son really wants to help me and to support and to be my team and was like too patriarchal like and and so um yeah like even occupying the small stuff and and really recreating this is also like i feel this yellow jelly even in my house okay i'm gonna do another way of how to use this tool how to to everything like can be everything Thank you. Thank you. I, I just, I have to tell the story that <clears throat> a few days ago, I had, that was the cause for my emotional healing process. My, one of my, a bank, one of the banks that I have said, you have to give proof of your professional activity. I'm like, I freaked out. So I did this process about having to, fit into patriarchal or men's world to be able to survive. And after doing that process, I could have a call with the banker today. And I said, I don't have the papers you're asking me for. He said, well, you must have an income. I said, I don't have an income. He said, no, but then you must be unemployed or you must have a pension or, and he said, and I said, no, I don't have any of that. He said, but you must have an income. <laughs> I said, no, I'm, I just go around and provide possibility for people. And I just am an author and I have just a great time. And he, he, he couldn't, like, couldn't talk to me anymore. Just, you're not a student and you don't have an income and you don't have an employer. And you don't, I look, I can't help you. And he just, <laughs> <laughs> he was like, he lost it. So I don't know what's going to happen to my bank account, but I was I was so glad that I could stay centered and occupy the space of that conversation with archiarchy. And and I said, you know, I have a very interesting life. And he said, yeah, you must, you must really <laughs> have an interesting life. So, wow. <laughs> Thank you.
So the next paragraph says, deep in you rests your original patriarchal programming. And I don't like using the word programming, but it just simply means the thoughtware that you got and have habitually used for a long time because everybody around you, like you said, everything around you speaking and acting patriarchy. And so it puts these grooves in as if it is real. And God, we've been just watching a couple of documentary films here that we strongly recommend. One of them is called What a Way to Go. The documentary by film by Tim Bennett. And then the other one is is called The Planet of the Humans. Planet of the Humans by do you guys know his name? Jeff, yeah, Jeff Bridge. Jeff Bridge. Jeff what? Brit Brit Brig is I think. Okay. And they're they're just clear. They're just really having a different perspective look on what what we've been living inside of, thinking that it's real or true or normal or ordinary or that it might even be working, we think. And it's so far off. So we are so far away from reality. And it takes some guy, you know, this both the both these guys who made these films, it really ruined their lives. They had a life before, you know, artist or filmmaker, or whatever. And it ruined their lives to discover what they told, what they, what they share in the film. And it's so um, compassionate or honest, like radically honest or vulnerable. It's so vulnerable the way they share what their discovery, their path of discovery, and how they discovered it, and how they're favorite ideas or their heroes have disintegrated into like a, this giant machine that just chews people up that is going around on the earth, chewing up the earth. And it, and it's, it's so they're not offering a solution, not offering. In fact, the guy in the Tim Bennett says, I'm not giving you the last chapter of the book that says, do this and everything will be wonderful. You know, here's how it can work out. He says, I'm not giving you that because you will go back to sleep. You know, if, if somebody tells me there's a last chapter and it can be worked out, I will think, oh, somebody's handling this. Nobody is handling this. Nobody out there is figuring it out, you know, or doing something about it. Nobody. And it's it's really useful to connect to that close to reality because then you regain your agency. You get close to reality, your actions have power. But if you're out in a fantasy world thinking something else, your actions are just part of the fantasy world and nothing happens. And so that's what we're trying to do here in the in the interaction, you know, in the culture called archaearchy, in the relationship part of archaearchy, the relating part is really coming close to reality, coming back to reality. And it's it could be surprising and shocking and painful. And the first thing you do is deep in you rest your original patriarchal programming. It's there. And the quote, and it's like things like this. If I don't have a man, I don't have value. This is inside of a woman's head. If I, and a man's also, the man says, if a woman doesn't have a man, she doesn't have value. If I don't raise a family, I don't have value. I need a man to protect me. I need a man to make money or fix things 
or provide me with entertainment and clothing and food and vacations. I mean, the, on and on and on and on. There's all this grooves in there. The patriarchal woman puts her attention on men's expectations, on her own worries, her imperfections, her inner wars, <coughs> her inner wars going on with other women. She puts her attention on finding what is not good enough in herself or on being a victim or on getting revenge. And then it's like this thing, it's like, is that all there is? And in patriarchy, the answer is yes. That's all there is. Many women have already given up. You may have already decided, I'm done playing the ragdoll, sex servant, Battlestar Galactica war games with men. I'm done with it. There is no point in trying to relate with a man anymore. It's over. I'm a neutral being. You might even have gone that far to go, I'm going to just do the neutral thing. Anybody have that? Anybody got to this place where you notice these tendencies? It's just like not worth it. There's just, that game is so painful and so hopeless. I'm just not playing anymore. So it's like this approach actually undermines or destroys relating altogether. It just takes it away. And it's better to just be neutral and, and live in our little box, you know, and, and just relating becomes no longer possible. It does not even exist. And we just let it go by because the alternative is to be, you know, the ragdoll sex servant, Battlestar Galactica war games with men. That's the alternative you know, in a hell world. And I, maybe it's not true for all women, but I've experienced women who made that you know, decision also shuts them off from other women because the woman, the other woman might be playing the men's game. And it's like, I don't want to play the game with the men. Well, I don't want to play the game with the women who are playing the game with the men. And it could be very isolating. This, this, I live in, yeah, a safe little, my, my safe space or a safe space where I don't have to deal with this. So part of this, mountain range that we're going through this whichever number it is along this journey is trying a new approach it has a new goal a new commitment in the approach and it's something like i am going to wake up about my own patriarchy i'm going to wake up about how i am playing small about how I am playing victim, how I am suppressing myself and my voice and my needs and my feelings and my own ideas and my own proposals for creating an alternative present and a, an alternative future. So this starts with opening my own inner eyes and waking up about what I am <coughs> about the ways I am creating even in small and subtle or silent ways. In part of a survival strategy for a woman is to create in silent ways. I think you know what we're talking about. 
So it starts with realizing, God, I am so disgusted with my survival strategy in patriarchy. I'm disgusted with my game plan for surviving in in patriarchy. And you see the details. It is the details. This and that and here and there. And it's this whole tangled mess of, of how to survive in patriarchy. I am over it. I start over now. I show up in a completely revolutionary way. And revolutionary in this case means also evolutionary way. It meaning in a way that has not been shown before. And so it doesn't mean you know how that way is. It emerges or erupts or explodes or slides out from the from this moment of your commitment to not doing it the other way. I don't care about any uncomfortable consequences for me or them or other all of them or any of them. I don't care about the uncomfortable consequences because this is this is revolution. This is evolution. Those those lies that I've been telling to myself and to the world, those lies are over for me. This is your Thelma and Louise moment. And uh, there's an O missing in the article. So it says Thelma and Louise. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Good thing he's not here. Louise would like that. (laughs) You know, there's this moment with Thelma and Louise. It's like this is over and they, and they drive their car off the cliff. And it's like, that's not the point. The point is, yes, I'm willing to drive the car off the cliff. Okay, I get, I end, by being willing to do that, you enter a new universe. And it's like, okay, it's a completely new universe. You, you really abandon and let, let go of the old universe. And that's what this is. That's why we called it your Thelma and Louise moment. But instead of driving full speed for the cliff, you turn around and you face the crowd of hysterical men head on. Face them head on and you speak unwaveringly, clear as a razor blade about what is really going on and how things will go from here on out. And this is the thing Mark said, is that women have the capacity to see what's not working and men do not. The rage and the fear and the sadness of the women have the clarity in it to build archaearchy out of it. And that's what you do. You turn around, you face this, the, the rage, you know, this crowd of freaking hysterical men, and you speak unwaveringly about what is really going on and how things will go from here on out. You are certain about what is not happening anymore. That's to the value of the anger. That's the value of the sadness and the fears. You are certain it tells you what you are, what is not happening anymore. And you are moment to moment creating what happens next instead. You're sure about what you're leaving behind, but you don't know how it goes. You just invent it step by step. And out of that reality, that freshness, that's where archaearchy comes. You are fully present, full on, and fully at risk through holding this and navigating this space of archaearchal relating. 
of archaeology. We just made it to the peak of the second mountain range. Anything about that right now? Yes. I I spent so much time, like eight years. Like I'm so great diverting my attention from men. I am not giving them any attention. I can do all of this on my own. And and I really get how this flavor of hating men, this thread, this one thread of hating men was still putting so much of my attention, so much, holding so much of patriarchy in everything that I was doing of proving myself that I, I'm the kind of person who can do X, Y, and Z. And, and having this flavor there, I really get how... Yeah, it just doesn't work and how I'm upholding so even that like so much of the patriarchy by by holding on to this piece of, of the hatred mm-hmm. and really trying to like dig back through and find okay where where is all of this still like this hatred, this me proving myself. Yeah, I mean, you know, following a rule or opposing a rule, you're still controlled by the rule. And this invitation is to go completely nonlinear into a new domain, a way where that rule doesn't even exist. So you don't have to fight it or destroy it or figure it out or follow it or any of that. It's just, I don't know. It's like seeing a pile of dog poop and not stepping in it. And you just keep stepping in the dog poop. You know, it's like, do you get what I'm saying? It's like, it's there, it's there. You know, it is there. But that doesn't mean you have to step in it or fight with it or wrestle it or, you know, change it into a, a quiche or a filet mignon, lemon meringue pie. You don't have to change the dog poop into that. You just leave it. You just go do something else. What Meredith, what do you what do you think about that? Sounds great. Now, come on. I really get no, I really get how how I can't make sense of it. I can't think my way into that. And, and so it's like, I get the space, I get the space inside myself where that understanding lives and, and I'll move from there. Who who will you be? Who will I be? If you let that dog poop away, if that dog poop becomes irrelevant, who will you be? I, I I hear all of the voices still keeping me in this small little package of of this big thing, whatever this. What are the voices? I'm not answering my question. <laughs> the thing that's coming <laughs> is I'll be a wind rider, Clinton. A wind rider? I don't remember the quote. <laughs> Not a quote. Stepping into a big, stepping out of this little girl being nice, I can't do it position. 
You're in this psychological domain. I'm inviting you to tell me who you would be. I would be an archetypal woman holding space for other women to be leaving the patriarchy. Is there a problem with that? No. There's other ways you can say it. You know, you can say I'm a culture designer. You can say I'm a I'm a context inventor. I'm, I'm getting close. What? I'm a, I'm a I'm a I'm a sorceress of regenerative relating. Regenerative love. Regenerative love. Sorceress of regenerative love. I'm getting I'm a sorceress of regenerative love. Yeah. Thank you. Or whatever, you know, in the next breath, we don't know. <laughs> but at least you've left the dog poop behind, you know, in some other universe. Now, I'm sure you can feel your butt on the, on the couch. Can you feel it? Yes. You're sitting there for an hour, 15 minutes. And it could be hurting a little bit. Mine is anyway. What about it? Yes or no? No. You guys have a better couch than we do. <laughs> or a better butt. I don't know what. Okay, there's something. Something's bugging you. Your glasses. You can feel it on your nose. Your, your ears. Yes. What? Yes. Okay, but are you putting your attention on that? No. Okay, that's the point. You get to decide where to put your attention because where your attention goes, your energy flows, and then you can invent the next space. And that's how you leave it behind is you go somewhere else. You know, if we kept talking about your glasses, pretty soon you'd have to move them or scratch or something, you know, because your attention would go there. But this whole patriarchal thoughtware, this whole pa patriarchal ways of survival are woven into us at a deep level. And there's no way to untangle all that in reality. And there's no problem to leave it behind. And that's, that's the approach, is to go somewhere else. And the point is, for the men, they don't have any place else. We don't have someplace else because that's all we got. All we got is hanging out with the other guys in this space where it's safe enough for us to try to keep the show going. That's all we got. And that's why we can't start something else. But you can. And so... And when you do, it will open up a whole new future. I mean, it opens up a whole new space. And then there's these invitations, there's these possibilities. And but you but it's up to you to occupy it first. And it's made with rage. It's made with fear and sadness. And this is like this is gonna be here's the bar. This is the door. This is how it goes. And and if if 
you know, if the, if the door cannot be entered, then it cannot be entered and you just, you carry the door somewhere else. So this is really necessary kind of work for, for the human race at this point, in my opinion. You know, Gaia is begging for us to do this because we can. And we're at the place where we're between a rock and a hard place. I mean, there's this, in the first film, the one about what a way to go, there's this interview of this young guy who's saying, if the warrior culture comes in and we run away, then the warrior culture prevails. You know, the patriarchy prevails. So if the warrior culture comes in and we let them occupy you. and we let them occupy this place, the warrior culture prevails. This the patriarchy prevails. So whether we run away or huh? or, or if the the patriarch the warrior clan comes and and you say I'm gonna defend myself yeah. and build weapons and build weapons to be able to fight them, the warrior the patriarchal warrior culture prevails. Because you become them. And so this is what we're up against. And this is where why we need a whole new dimension to go in. Because there's whole other games for human beings to play besides warrior culture, besides I win, you lose, besides property ownership, you know, consuming, you know, burning everything first. Whoever whoever has the biggest weapons wins, you know, like this whole thing. There's some, there's something completely different. And we won't get there having the conversation with the patriarchy. We will not get there. Anything about that right now? Because the third mountain range is begging for us to start. It's called His Fear of Expectations. Mountain Range 3, His Fear of Expectations. When you, the woman, claim radically responsible ownership of the space of relating, and then you put your arc and attention on the man, you will trigger in the man an avalanche of fear. Automatically, you get this, the patriarchal, uninitiated boy, and you put your arc and attention on him, he's just going to freak. And he assumes that you will pressure him to be different through your assumptions and expectations. So it's an automatic reflex of mommy's going to scold me, Teacher's going to punish me. Teacher's going to try to make me do what the teacher wants me to do, whatever. And it's, yeah. I just want to say for the sentence before, it is deeply in a woman's cell that a disturbed, like a, you know, not disturbed mentally, but a a man, like a man who is disturbed emotionally will be violent. And so we have trained ourselves, I mean, 
to an insane degree to make it to keep to never create that to never have the men be scared because then he'll get angry because he can't be scared and then he will strike out in whatever way and and so it's so we we do that even in such subtle ways to make it round for him to make it okay to make him happy to make it and so and these are really gateway for emotional healing processes for the woman for the woman for this life and other life and and I re- really recommend do these emotional healing process otherwise you'll that's where you'll be stuck like that's you won't be able to claim responsibility of the, and ownership of the space because that will it will disturb the men's peace or something yeah yeah so in that in that situation the man's reflexes his reflexive defense strategy can also be and you can you'll just recognize this when i say it both men and women is his reflex is to create for himself a secret life and the man withdraws into a cloud of his own lies and deceptions. I mean, to be clear, the man already has that secret life. So it's not, you're not provoking it. it or It's already there. He just pulls but, back yeah, into, into it. Yeah. You know, and go goes to smoke cigars and drink brandy and snifters with the guys, feeling good about himself you know, thinking that that's real, but that's what a man is and leaving the whole thing behind and he'll keep it secret. And that's his refuge. Man has a refuge to run away into. And it's, and it's, it's just this secret life strategy, the pullback. And on the other side, the flip side of it is if you actually do apply assumptions or expectations on the man, in this case, these reveal leftover parts of your decades-old patriarchal survival strategy that you have still inside of you, and it's still shaping a part of your being to cause you to put out these assumptions and expectations on the man. Such assumptions and expectations can be transformed by following them back down to their places of origin using emotional healing processes. You get how that works? You've got this urge to do these assumptions and expectations. You just follow them back down to where they came from, and that will be healing processes for you. You might, you might surprisingly catch a number of assumptions and expectations which do not even come from you. You've copied your mother's thoughtware about relating, for example, or Hollywood's propaganda or your first comic book couple, you know, in a movie or something. Every EHP you do will redesign a bit of your inner world and thereby reshape your being, allowing it to call forth a different value than mere survival because it was the survival part of you that was putting out these assumptions and expectations on the man. So if you both come out as gold, valuable for you to follow back. So we suggest doing every single EHP, every single emotional healing process that you can discover. Every single one, just do them. 
I mean, in this household where we are, it's like, you know, we're having breakfast and somebody's screaming downstairs. <laughs> then we're having lunch and somebody's screaming over there and somebody's screaming on the porch and somebody's crying and come, people come in and they were just having this, like you sounded like a torture chamber downstairs. <laughs> you know, and then Sonia comes up after being in this torture chamber for like an hour and she's laughing. You know, and she goes, she's laughing at breakfast and goes, we're living in a crazy house. <laughs> really wonderful because these EHPs are really happening it's just this rapid evolution it's really incredible yeah this is really really and it's just fantastic in in the aliveness there's really sometimes I sit there and I try to listen and write down what they say and I put it in my novel I don't tell anybody that <laughs> So we suggest that you do every single one that you can discover and our experience reveals that doing EHPs helps you to differentiate between your emotional expectations and your present moment demands. And that's a huge distinction. What you need right now coming out of right now in archiarchy is very different from what you need as a wounded child or, or a, an abandoned, you know, child or wh whatever expectation or something comes from an emotion. <laughs> if you, if you can't distinguish experientially the difference between the emotional thing and the feeling thing, the actual need right now, that you're lost. You can't navigate the space in a, in a way that's trustworthy, that can be trusted. So that's why the EHPs are so different are so important. So you can easily discern. Discern means sense, actually tactile, sensations. You can you can sense, you can experientially detect this difference between the emotional the emotional reactivity and the moment-to-moment -moment demands. You can sense this uh, because it's just this explanation, because the emotions last longer than three minutes. And a demand is powered by a present time, small now, sort of clarity that you use to hold the arc in context of the relating space. Holding it with this sword, that's how it goes. And that's where the demand comes from. Like, this is how it is. And it is not an emotional reaction like that. And you can feel the difference. And it's so valuable to do the work of, of learning to make that distinction. It is a boring, is that where we are? Mm -hmm. no. no. Your archiarchal relating context is the non-negotiable leverage point for starting over. Not just you starting over, but humanity starting over. It's an amazing starting over thing. So your archiarchal relating context is the non-negotiable non-negotiable leverage point for starting over. If your relating space context becomes debatable, you know, if you can have an argument about it, you know, whether you like this or don't like it, or then you will be instantly sucked back into the patriarchal gremlin games again. I'm sure you know what that's like. It is not fun. So don't mm -hmm. enter the argument. Just let the argument go by. Just stand, you don't have to do anything. 
the argument comes at you and you just look at it with the sword out, just shake your head and just wait. It, it's, it also, it's great to practice that. I mean, in the women's lab, we did practice that. How, how to not have context be anything debatable. And what came out for the women was they did not even have the vocabulary to speak their sword. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't need a lot of words, but it does need a little words. And it was just the, there was no words attached to the sword and the practice attached words to the sword. Can you give an example? Yeah, the example is, well, a woman says it goes like this and the men would have an, like an attack and say, I feel I, abandoned. Yeah, I feel abandoned you're or, criticizing me. or yeah, you're criticizing me or it's your gremlin. So any of those, you know, any of those attack, whether it's victim or persecuting and the woman would say, is that all you have for me? Like, is that all you're going to, is that you, that's, is that your only offer? And, and if the men say, well, see you doing it again, I, I see you don't, you, you know, you don't have any other offer, open three doors. I, you know, that's a, the rule. It's the fifth rule. It's a tradition. <laughs> it's, the, it's the tradition. Open three doors. And if at the third door you say, you, it, it seems like you're refusing my offer, and you walk out. This, this conversation is over. Really, you say that this conversation. If you don't have another offer for me, this conversation is over. And then walk out, like the conversation is over. So words, words like that. So if you don't have that sentence in your vocabulary, practice it when you're brushing your teeth tonight. You just spit toothpaste all over the mirror and go. This conversation is over. And leave the toothpaste on the mirror until the next morning. You go, somebody can. What's all this toothpaste doing on the mirror? And you just look at them and say, "Don't ask." Anyway, you got to learn. It's a new groove in your brain. This conversation is over, so it's useful to just memorize it. I'm back in the article. It is a boring gremlin trick to attack the context, rather than to question one's own familiar survival tactics developed to work in the patriarchal context. You know, that this is for both sides, you know, for the woman and the man, but it's like, in particular, the men, you know, are just attack the context. Ah, that's stupid. Ah, that's possibility management crap. Mm -hmm. You know, ah, you, you, it's emotional. You know, it's a psychobabble. You know, get real, you know, like all this stuff. This is arguing with the context, battle, trying to battle the context. It is a boring gremlin trick to do that. Of course, the man's patriarchal survival strategies no longer work in archiarchy. Archiarchy is not about surviving. You get that? Of course, a man's patriarchal survival strategies don't work in archiarchy because it's not about surviving. Archiarchy is fueled by unfolding potentials, the evolution of consciousness, healing, discovery, and thriving, instead of merely this surviving, instead of merely surviving. It's a whole different game. 
And so the sword, he was holding this sword out and all these things about survival, you know, complaints or blame or being abandoned or attacked or is, is gremlin survival tricks. You just stand there with your sword out and the, the gremlin wants to come close and attack you. They just die on your sword and you can open three doors. And if they don't go through, just go, this conversation is over and then go on about your life until another opportunity arises. Anything about this right now? Your sword, what? I mean, another, something else that I've heard that is about attacking context or trying to reestablish patriarchal context. It's mm-hmm. like you're occupying the space and there can be these offers to reestablish the ordinary context that seems so innocent. For example, you you might have had this conversation of, you know, if that's the only thing you have to offer, this conversation is over. And the men might come and say, I just want to w- wish you a good night. You know, pretending that the previous conversation has not happened. Mm-hmm. Or, or would you, you know, would you send me off tomorrow morning? Or would you send me a me- would you send me a message to tell me that everything's okay with you? And it, it seems like, or, you, did, yeah. Did you put more butter in the refrigerator? Did you make John's lunch? Mm-hmm. Who's gonna go shopping? Yeah. Who's gonna take Tommy to school in the morning? It's this logistical shit. And you can, and you just refuse. You can refuse to reestablish ordinary. Did you iron my shirts? Did you make meatloaf? Yeah, I think the men are more subtle today. I don't know. They don't like meatloaf. <laughs> let's go for a walk and talk about it. Yeah, let's what? go for a walk and talk about it. Yes, yes. <laughs> This this I'm, kind of subtle offer. Yeah, I'm preparing lunch. Do you wanna do you wanna have lunch? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your hormones are out of balance. Let's, you know, let's wait a while and you'll, I mean, you'll get over it. I'm saying there's there's also more subtle offers that are not so irritating, or it seems like it wanting it's wanting to reestablish connection, but it's wanting to reestablish connection in the ordinary context. Yeah. Did you hear about the war in Palestine? And and so you could, you ask, so what, Sophia? Beware of chocolate. What? How How do you refuse? It's like, what would you say? Say it loud so I can hear you. Mm -hmm. I asked how you, how do you refuse the offer then? Because it can be... So it's the next paragraph. You're holding your sword about out. It is at the throat. You're just holding the sword out. You're not doing anything. Your sword of clarity easily differentiates between holding the context and expectations. So just catch yourself every time you make an assumption, they're making an assumption, and withdraw it immediately from the space. So what your question is, is how do you... What did you say? And you can simply say, I don't accept your offer. Yeah. I don't accept your offer to reestablish a patriarchal context. I decline. 
I decline. Yeah. This doesn't work here. This this will not work on me. You know, and you can say, do you have anything else? You no. Know, and if these, if you have a hesitancy to speak with the kind of clarity that your sword is offering, if you have this hesitancy, I encourage you to do asshole training. Go go to the website called Asshole Training and go through the exercises and practice being consciously arrogant and a conscious asshole because it's really fun actually not for your gremlin but for your being your spirit for archaearchy for possibility it has this whole different level of nurturing for you where it's not feeding your gremlin it's feeding this possibility archaearchal relating space you're just taking care of it just caring for it. And there's other ways. I mean, one of the other ways is is to not say anything. You can not say anything. Stay in contact and don't say anything. Sort out. For him to get this doesn't work and you don't even have to say it. And something else that I, I've made proposal to other women is more for more outrageous uh attack on the context playing victim um saying you know you you, you're trying to kill me you're trying to you're abandoning me you're leaving me behind you're using me as your punching bag or one option is to just laugh is to just laugh at the ridiculous ridiculousness of of it of the offer when it's so obviously gremlin And, and so that it's also a place where, so that mm, that could be an option if you have a tendency of kind of holding the sword rigid, you know, being like I have to protect my context. It it's the 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 conscious asshole that Clinton is talking about, or this arrogance, is also to get the insanity of it, like to get the ridiculousness, like that it's laughable. The offer is laughable. In the face of being a sorcerer, a sorceress of regenerative love. She left. She left, but there's other sorceresses in that. She's regenerating love somewhere else. And somehow, I mean, one of the pictures I, I got, I don't know if it is helping anyone, but it's it's like being Alice in Wonderland. You you drink this potion and you you're a lot bigger than you think. And then you have, you know, a little creature like trying to poke your legs and what are you gonna you have to laugh at the thing there's a little sword well, yeah, it was a little sword like a little spear it's like what are you what do you think you're doing what, are, what do you think you're gonna achieve there and you know and you don't you don't you don't have to move like it doesn't even hurt it doesn't even hurt so could make make yourself a little potion, little potion, like and tag them. Growing up potion, but don't do it with green papaya leaves because that tastes just so bad. <laughs> it's terrible. 
Even if you're on a liver cleanse, I don't recommend it. In particular, a man makes a promise to you, you cannot assume that the man will keep his promise. That would be naive. You get it? Because it is an assumption. To assume that someone will keep their promise is naive. It's an assumption. That would be naive. So you can notice whether he keeps his promise or not and with what degree of integrity and then mirror that back to him. But you cannot assume he will keep his promise just because he made a promise. Every assumption you make is a setup for your own gremlin to sooner or later take revenge. It is really good to know that because every single assumption you make can be changed into an expectation that is then not fulfilled and then is a setup for your gremlin to take revenge. Then you are back in the patriarchal gremlin world and the man is a master at playing that game, just getting revenge because the men have more power to get revenge in the patriarchy than women. Women like to think that they have more power to get revenge, but I don't know. Let's not have that conversation. I, what? I'm afraid because you were talking about the men retreating in his um, secret world of lie. Yeah. And I don't know if the article talks about it more. I don't know. Why? Well, because... Because for me, it was it was so important to, or it was a crucial distinction to discover that the show, but maybe they talk the show that men offer has nothing to do with their actual life, and the the, the life that's going on is completely hidden from public view, and especially from women's view. Can you unfold that a little? Well, I don't have anything else. Well, you know, if I was trying to make myself attractive by putting on some kind of a show, I would be completely obsessed with detecting whether my lie is working or not and so I would be fear fearful I would be checking myself in the mirror I would be trying to review my script before I say it I would be completely involved in this show preparation world fabrication of the show you know the illusion to see if it's working to like Mark said to seduce or to you know conquer or whatever and and that whole secret world is behind the scenes and and so there's for that you know for for any kind of relating to actually happen it would start with that mechanism all that stuff that's going on behind the scenes that's the real part go ahead mark i cannot be radically responsible and have a secret life 
at the same time. It doesn't work. So, and I have to give up my secret life to be radically responsible. I think that's what you were looking for. Because if you're dealing with somebody who's got the secret life, all of his agreements, how's he going to be radically responsible? He's got a secret life. Yeah. Yeah, and at this point, at this point in the journey, I mean, the man will defend his secret life. Because that, like Clinton said, that's that's all he has. It's all he has. That's that's his. Mm-hmm. That's that's not the show. That's not trying to be something for somebody else. Like be something for the patriarchy. But but the secret life is, you know, I've been having this question and researching lying, the lies, and I, this question is. Okay, do people lie, and in this case, do men lie to protect their gremlin life or to protect their being's life? You know, what occupies the secret life? And, you know, the reality is how many men do even have enough space for, for any kind of being's life? Almost none. There's, there's been no nourishment, no help, no support, no models, no nothing. To have any kind of experiment experimentation in anything else than the patriarchy. And so I'm suspicious that most of the secret life, if not all of the secret life, is all about Gremlin. It's, it's complete, yeah. And not only that, but the experience of the secret life is what men have in common with each other. There's this knowing look between men. And this, I mean... In the films we just watched, there's this these scenes of Al Gore and these gore and blood. Well, I don't forget blood and gore. These guys who who are these multimillionaires deceiving the public, pumping public funds into their bank accounts, their private bank accounts, and laughing all the way to the bank. And and the, the film catches the, this laugh. <laughs> and it's 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 so obviously gremlin and so obviously hollow it's not really feeding them it's all, the best they have is to laugh ha ha i win you lose i fooled you i have a secret life and they all have their secret lives together and they're winning by getting more money in their bank and they're hollow people they're empty hollow people they're psychopaths and it's it is becomes really obvious. And there's this another song by Katie Goodman about moving shit around. And it's just a great song. Mm-hmm. You can, it's an excerpt from this movie Aliens where Sigourney Weaver is on this spaceship and, and she's going, what can I do? You know, I'm, I'm here to help. We're trying to catch the aliens. I'm not military. What can I do? And they, they just laugh at her and go, well, what can you do? And she says, well, I can move shit around, you know, which is like what the women are told to do, just move stuff around, clean up stuff. And so she climbs into this suit, one of these armored suits where you have this amplified force where she can move these heavy things around. And the guys laugh at each other. They laugh to each other with this hidden, ha oh, you know, here's a woman thinking she can run the suit. And I mean, the song is about her son 
who, who stops the, the movie and says, Mom, why are they laughing at Sigourney Weaver? Why, why don't they think that she can run this machine? He doesn't even get it that it's possible that the woman could not run the machine because he's been raised in her culture, you know, a different culture. And it's such a touching moment when she goes, whoa, he doesn't get it that the men are laughing because they think she can't do it. And of course she can do it. He goes, of course she can do it. And it's so obvious. There's just a really, it's a great example of what we're talking about here in terms of the secret life of the uninitiated, patriarchal, wounded, uh, crippled, handicapped, broken, hollow, empty men. That is why we cannot cavitate archiarchy yet. Yeah. Aja, you want to say something? Can you say, can you say something for us? I um, I can say something. Um. Just thinking about and and reflecting the whole session, I I just wrote something down. Uh, my assumption is we have to start working. A proposal for training muscles we have neglected. My recommendation: asshole training for women, and playing small training for men. <laughs> That's what I wrote down. <laughs> Wow. Thank you. You deliver your space will do it, right? I Yeah. Space. So will you will you deliver conscious training for conscious asshole training for women? I I'm I have not decided that. That's why so, I'm I don't know yet. We will see. There is so much on my list, so it's not the first one. Okay. We'll see. Thank you. Okay. I think we should team up uh, uh, with uh, team up with the men who are doing what they're doing. So it shouldn't be one; it should be both, and then make these performances. Oh, I don't know. I mean, just just make it in a light way. Make it as as something we are in the end doing together, or being together. I mean, yeah. So I think there must there there can be more joy and more lightness and more playfulness. Yay. Thank you. I, I feel fear I, I, that that you would that that this linkage happens of of the men have to be doing the training too that we this this we can do it together. I just I just feel fear that that you would also wait for the men. Then I wait for the men. Yeah, no, I don't know. We will see. Let's play it out and then have fun and see what we do right, what we do wrong, what is different, how the world is, how it tastes. Maybe something really echo-like will happen, some synchronicities we do not even think of. That's the new world for me. Much more um, fluid and um, happening through the connection with the source. And and the forces who are working with us. Yeah. 
Not so much in the mind. Go ahead, Mark. As a male, if I'm in a space with women, it is really challenging for me to do the deep work that is before me. It's with my brothers I can do that and not be distracted, for lack of a better term. Because as soon as one guy gets distracted and tries to impress the women in the space, all the rest of the guys are like, oh, game on. And you want to see anarchy in a space. That's a good classic example of it. So that's the only reason I am in agreement that the work needs to be done, but we're not ready to do it together necessarily yet. Yeah, I can I can really accept that. That lands in me, yes. But we are doing the work. It is happening, but it's so small compared, you know, there's eight, nine billion people. It's like minuscule how many men are doing the edge work from my experience. Yeah, thank you. We have just a couple minutes left. Does anybody have anything else they'd like to say? I'm I'm just remembering some moments in my life where I, I had this uh, this moment where I I saw parts of this secret life or these lies um, when I was trying to relate with a man. And I think for me a huge trap is to switch into mummy mode then. Because I, I, then I just can't really, um, there's nothing I can relate to that feels grown up enough. So what what will I do? So the only, I think my grandma's strategy has been to relate from superiority or or poor you or I need to be your therapist mode or something like that. And... I get it that the the article is proposing to just not relate at all if if that is the only offer. Yeah, I I, <clears throat> I I feel a lot of fear that when I start this path, I will just be tripping over my own feet all the time because it's so ingrained, like the old patterns of patriarchy are still at work in me. So I mean, it, it's like I'm right now. I just want to say it's not about not relating at all. It's about relating this way. And it's kind of like, let's say you're in a kitchen and you want to make you want to make crepes and and the the, the partner comes in with celery or I don't know, oregano or something, you know, something that doesn't fit in the crepes. You go, we're making crepes and they bring what they bring to the party is, you know, car grease or dynamite or children's toys, you know, or building blocks, whatever, and a hatchet. And you're going, we're making crepes and you don't get off making the crepes. Mm -hmm. It's like you're mm -hmm. still connected. It's like, I'm not willing to make anything but crepes. And this is what your offer is. This conversation is over. Just I'll make the crepes, whatever. 
you know, and it's like, it's not about not relating, just about. Yeah, it's not about not making offers of our own. Mm -hmm. We haven't really talked about that part. So it's also about making, yeah, offers. Also about making offers. Yeah. And, and Eva, the other thing I was thinking is, that I think that's the place where moving into a bridge house becomes so helpful. Mm. Because because the work is happening because there's other women and there's other also men and there's this ongoing f feedback instead of having one interaction that doesn't really work. And then it's like, Oh, it didn't work. You know? And it's just this like litany of moves, like sort of medium moves or average moves. Whereas in a bridge house, you get a whole environment supporting you to move, to inhabit that more and more and more. I hear you. We are in the middle of the third mountain range. Thank you for being on the journey. Have a great week. Keep experimenting. Yodel a lot. Yodel <laughs> from the third mountain. You know, sing the song of Ole, Ole, Ole. No, no, no. Hear a man laugh and you laugh a lot more. Na, 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 and you holler in the mountains, you know, like that. Okay. Yodel from the mountains. Those are pirate chanties. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.